skyrocketing the recognition of a brother filmmaking duo before the Russos or Duffers, marking our second foyer into their cinematic minds, this month's film showed to the world the unique satire, comedy, as well as elements of suspense and violence that the Coen brothers would utilize in their more serious outings. Taking the film noir of old with the story of blackmail, kidnapping, murder, and mystery, and turning it on its head by placing that story in Minnesota. This film has even led to an equally enjoyable television anthology series. So please don't flee the interview and listen as we discuss Fargo. episode of you've never seen question mark exclamation mark today we're going to be talking about a movie that has spawned uh, not just a uh, or sparking the the continued career of of um, a group of storytellers that we've discussed earlier in the first season of our podcast right at the beginning but also um, a television show and today we're going to be talking about Fargo, which of course starts Francis McDormand, William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi. And and if you've seen the movie or you've seen the shows first, like like myself, you get to understand like this movie's insanity. And with that, um, today I am joined by my um, underrated podcast co- co-horse, co- cohort, uh Derek McDuff. Going, Ariel. Doing okay. Doing okay. So, um, this, like I said, for my just to start off with my experience of 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 Fargo, um, I kind of picked up the show first and started watching that, um, and then then made my way back to the movie because the the show itself is an anthology, so you don't really have to see the movie. But um, now, you know, like when I did see the movie, a uh, bit piece of of, um, of the first season actually like came into play and tied, tied it in together. So like, yeah, um, all of Fargo, the Fargo verse uh, <laughs> is connected <laughs> in some way or another. Um, but yeah, it's just an insane movie. Um, so Derek, uh, this being your first time, what did you think? Initial initial thoughts. Oh, I thought this was great. I I absolutely loved this movie. Um, I'm a really big fan of the Coens. Uh, I just hadn't seen this for whatever reason, mm-hmm. but I I loved it. Um, you know, it has the same kind of vibes as a lot of their later stuff. You can you was like, okay, this ex- this is kind of like watching their origin story. You know, when you see something like because I remember seeing Burn After Reading when it came out, and it's a lot of the same kind of vibes about just everybody in this just kind of being an idiot and just kind of just all these dumb criminals and just all these stupid things that just snowball and how like the beginning the three people die just because Steve Buscemi forgets to put the plates on the thing and that just leads to all the plot and just how things snowball and I usually don't like farces very much like it's Mm -hmm. a genre that I just find very annoying but when the Coen brothers do it it really works for me like it's it's just so Everybody, and it's terrible, but except for Frances McDormand's character, she's so great. You kind of just love her and just kind of like glom onto her. And they don't show her for like a like a good first 30 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of at that point being like, I oh my gosh, I want somebody to 
to like to uh, relate to. And <laughs> yeah. then when she comes, you're like, good, yes, who are you? Why do you have this husband who loves bugs? Let's tell me more. You were pregnant. Okay, just, I, I absolutely loved the movie. Um, yeah. It, it really, it's, it's probably been one of the, because, you know, whenever we do these, I'm always nervous because I'm worried that the movie isn't going to listen to expectations for me. But um, I think this one is one that has definitely been one of my the, my favorite ones that we you and I have talked about on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is actually um, kind of becoming like a, a this a yearly thing with me introducing you to a Coen Brothers movie because <laughs> yeah. I think about the same time as um, uh, I have to go back, but it was one of the earlier episodes of of this podcast in the first season. Um, we did talk about um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And yeah. and so so yeah, maybe like. I'll continue on with with Cohen Brothers, like, but um, uh, you have to show me a, next up. Uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Next up is the Lady Killers. I don't have much left. Oh <laughs> I my seen gosh, them. the Lady Killers is like a toss up though, because it's like one I hear of- I hear a lot of people don't love it, but it's yeah. okay. I enjoyed it, but but yeah, it's one of the they're more divisive movies. But yeah. this one was definitely they had a few movies. Um, before this, they had um, Raising Arizona and Barton Fink, but I think this one's the one that kind of catapulted their their um, you know, their status and stuff. Like Raising Arizona is very much like a a, a, a like a, a it was a the classic movie. Like everybody enjoyed it and stuff like that, but it was it wasn't this kind of like bizarre noir, but in the Midwest kind of um stop mm-hmm. like setting and that's nick cage right in that yeah in ra- no in raising arizona but i'm talking yeah. about fargo fargo oh, was like okay. it was a like a kind of like um um because their previous kind of like venture into like a, a bit of an artsy story film mm-hmm. with a uh, burton frank wasn't as popular but with fargo here you just have this which i i fall fell in love with with the show is just this noir like bizarre like you wouldn't expect like especially like these these minnesota um police officers (laughs) to be so like like detectives essentially like you're you're seeing a procedural on their on their their part but it's very much like Mm. i i feel like it's like you know like a noir set in you know the midwest um uh and and it's a noir but it feels like a noir at least the movie feels like a noir but like with really incompetent criminals and just like an average mm-hmm. cop. Mm-hmm. Well, not no, like, like some like Francis. She's like smart, she's like smart, but she's yeah. just like yeah, she's she's mm-hmm. not like you know, like you know, she's Rick smarter than everybody else. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's like um, definitely the first season of of Fargo. I don't want to spoil anything if you do want to go on to to watch this show. But definitely the first season has a lot more of the vibes of, of the movie. And then mm-hmm. an element that was left in the movie kind of gets followed up on and picked up on in the series. Um, okay. Which is, which like, coming back and watching the movie for, for my first time after watching the show was like, oh, so that's where mm-hmm. that came from and, and stuff like that. But, um... No, definitely glad that you enjoyed it. I mean, I just like mm-hmm. find, it, and it, this carries on through the shows of just yeah, like you said, like these 
bizarre like coincidences that have to fall into place like perfectly with these criminals that make it so much like they're incompetent but because of all these things that step that like just filter into place things just get worse and worse and worse you're like oh yeah. my gosh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and usually that kind of stuff bothers me a lot but mm-hmm. it just it's i think it's done with by the coens with like just kind of like such sincerity that it really works for me mm-hmm. yeah 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 exactly and um so so yeah so starting off with like what were some standout moments for you uh, probably the like when just sh- everything started to go wrong. Like any time a moment would go wrong was a standout moment. Like the at first when he like you're like he gets pulled over and you're like okay what's gonna happen? How are they gonna talk themselves out of this one? And then he shoots him and then he like chases the people down and sh- kills both of them and you're just like oh my god and like and it's just like that all just like it just because you're just like okay you know somebody's gonna die because it says so in the opening crawl. But you don't know what's going to happen, and it just it how that just kind of snowballs everything. Or when Steve, like when uh, Steve Buscemi is like, "I'm taking the I'm taking the the car the truck or whatever." You will split the thing evenly, and and then I'm just like, "That's a bad idea." I'm like, "Just just split it with him." Like, why wouldn't you split it with him? You already ripped him off for like uh, that extra million dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, he he can't he can't just I'm like just like ah. Oh, and then I'm, of course he he just sits there. And it's Peter Stramari, just like who has been just like this crazy like murderer this entire movie and like he's gonna get and then he just comes out with the axe and it just hard cuts that was another one um and then one actually the only thing i'd seen of this movie before was the scene where they she gets dinner with uh uh stevia maguchi oh yeah right yeah and so i'd seen that and i was like okay like because i wrote a piece on watch mojo for best one scene performances and it was Mm. about that guy Mm. i was like well how does this fit into the movie and then i watched it i was like oh it just doesn't it's just there i like i was like okay this is just kind of a scene so that was another standout moment because it feels so just like kind of out of place and i was texting with somebody about that and how that scene is just so kind of like random and they were like i at first they were like i don't really like it because it feels like it slows it down i'm like i like that it slows it down because like the movie is just kind of like snowballing and it's like okay we'll let have this kind of like scene that's more character driven kind of give you more of a chance to connect with her just this nice little quiet character moment and i did appreciate that a lot so those were the most standout moments for me for sure yeah also also with that moment that that's one of my my favorite moments also um with that awkward dinner and then especially with the follow-up with her conversation with like her her friend and like oh yeah yeah yeah, he's just he just has a mental thing and stuff like that and yeah you can call her if you want to yeah yeah um but yeah that scene i think and then it's just like it you would i i really love and, and the show does this too of those like moments that is you just see small moments that like like if you you watch it again and you could dive deeper on it or if you think about it again because like she like kind of like outside of the restaurant she like fixes herself up and like tries to make herself look good and like you kind of get the sense of like is this like an old flame or or what what's going on and stuff and like um but then it just kind of spins around spins down or like you know funnels down and like you're like what is going on and then he like you know starts crying and you're like oh like you feel bad for him and stuff like that but then like the next the next day you're like oh like he's just like really like mentally messed up (laughs) okay 
um yeah yeah you definitely have like a string of these kind of characters like just you know you could even like the the um and the conversations it comes down to the conversations that are so fun and like just especially of course with the accent with the minnesotan accent minnesota the twin cities yeah it, it makes it a lot more like just freaking funny and enjoyable um, but yeah, even like with the, with the guy like coming up, he's like, um, you know, uh, one of the, I think it's one of her officers like goes and like, Hey, you, you called. And then he's like, Oh yeah. Like, like this guy in the, in this car, like he, you know, he was acting weird and there was no plates on and, and all this stuff. And I, I wasn't going to call, but, but you know, like my, my wife told me to and, and, and so I, I, I'm, I'm call, I called and just wanted to tell <laughs> you it was, it was just weird and stuff like that. And yeah. then, and then the, the two hookers that, you know, Francis, um, oh, Francis yeah. McDowell say, like talks, talks to and stuff like that. Funny looking, like, kind of just but, funny looking. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Funny, oh, you know, just generally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's just like all these like random conversations and you're just going on for the ride and it doesn't like you said it doesn't take you out of it it just like makes it more like you know like it's just like you gotta just laugh with it and it's just so funny and ridiculous and like I still don't understand like what William H. Macy like did that he needed this money (laughs) I think it was like he messed up he was well I think he he loaned a bunch of money against cars that didn't actually exist. Oh. Like he's like, oh, I'm gonna get like a loan for these, and the collateral or whatever was the these cars, mm-hmm. and those cars were not real cars. So he had like three hundred thousand dollars, you know, up against the for these cars that were no no such thing. And so yeah, and that's why he needed to get the money so he could afford to pay back the three thousand dollars that he had, you know, basically stolen from these people. Um, you know, fraudulently. Yeah, yeah, and you just feel bad for like his wife too. Like his wife yeah. is like pretty good. Yeah, his mm-hmm. his father in law was an asshole, and oh my gosh, <laughs> that scene with his father in law. I thought like at least he was gonna get a shot off before he got shot himself. <laughs> you know, like because he went in yeah. with a gun. I'm like, oh man, he's gonna try to shoot him, and then he's gonna shoot, shoot and kill him and stuff like that. But he didn't even shoot, and then he didn't shoot until like. He shot him in the face, which that was brutal. Like I was yeah. not expecting that. Like I knew about the wood chipper. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I knew, but like, I forgot. I forgot yeah. about it. Yeah, like I didn't know that that was what I thought that that was like what was gonna kill him. Like, oh, he's gonna just throw him in the wood chipper. <laughs> not that he like just axes him up and like then throws mm-hmm. him. Um, but yeah, it's just like these. It's just insane, and that's like carries on to the shows. Definitely, like like. There's parts. It's of the it's shows insane, but like, everyone treats it like it's so normal, you know. Yeah. And that's oh, yeah. kind of what I loved. Yeah. That's exactly. That's exactly like, like what happens. How how his father in law, like his business partner, is there for everything, and they're just like talking about this kidnapping, like it's a bus- any, any other business negotiation. It's like, yeah, you know, he, we've discussed. Do you think this is the best way to move forward? And like they're just talking about all like this life and death situation where his like you know daughter has been kidnapped. Like it's just like a deal and he's just like oh, a million dollars this is i'm gonna get what i pay for and it's just like mm-hmm. this is so ridiculous yeah it's hilarious it's just yeah. yeah like they managed to do farces in a way that make me like them which is 
very impressive to me because usually I get very annoyed at just kind of like, oh my gosh, like a bogged and down and all these people being dumb. But it here, it's just, like I said, all the characters are crafted with such kind of like, they feel real, even though they are kind of like larger than like people. You do like, you're like, yeah, I could see somebody talking like this in real life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my absolute favorite line of this of the movie is when he like is he leaves the um when William H Macy leaves the car park and then mm-hmm. um Francis McDormand is like he he's fleeing the interview he's fleeing the interview it's like yeah, trying to call so like good. frantically and he's like and like and it's just like instead of like he's fleeing the scene to like flee mm. an interview yeah. it's so like funny to me I don't know why but he, she's like oh my god he, he's fleeing the interview he's fleeing the interview and stuff it's and especially with her pregnant and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's so funny yeah 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 and- i think it's really well cast too like like you know you believe you kind of like with william h macy in this role you're like wow you're kind of terrible and like i don't like you but like i don't hate you you're just kind of like you're an idiot i hope you get what's coming to you but like i can't hate you at the same time you know Mm. because he's just so hapless and just you're like you fucking idiot yeah yeah no exactly exactly yeah so like we we touched on it a bit but but what were your overall thoughts you know did it did it live up to the the hype yes it did which is you know uh i thought it was definitely up there in terms of some of my favorite coen brothers movies Mm -hmm. like yeah, um, like what what which were is, some things that you did here before the before you know like a people talking and stuff about this movie? Kind of that it was you know just one of the Coen Brothers' best films. That it was you know really funny and just kind of quirky and just has this very dry sense of humor. Um, and it delivered on all of those fronts. Um, that it was just kind of this. It's, you know, not not really kind of a mystery, but it's kind of got that element that, you know, that you were talking about before, that noirish thing. Um, so I just kind of knew that it was just, and, it, and also just that it was hilarious, that it's a really, really funny movie. Um, you know, obviously it was on the original AFI Top 100 mm-hmm. list um, when they came out in 96, but it got taken off in uh, the 2007 list, which is, which is when they redid the list. Um, so I knew that it was kind of, you know, considered um, even amongst, film critics one of the best movies mm. um so i i had tried to watch a lot of those top 200 or top 100 movies um but i was going off the 2007 list so that i never really hit this one um so i'm glad i got to kind of go back to it and see because the coen brothers they do i think they do really good comedies but they also do really good dra- mm. uh, dramas you know obviously you know for every big lebowski you have a no country for old men mm-hmm. um so it is I have been a little bit, not like disappointed, disappointed, but like some of them I'm like, okay, like haven't really lived up to expectations for me. But yeah, as far as their comedies go, this is right up there. Like not quite as much as The Big Lebowski, which is one of my favorite films ever, but it's it's in that same category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, like in this kind of, this was the start of the, what's become like, if, if Francis McDormand, I can't can't pronounce her name. Sorry. If Francis McDormand is is in any movie, she gets an Oscar kind of thing. This yeah. was her first Oscar that she won, and then the movie won an Oscar too. Um, but yeah, no, it is definitely like I think like even up until this day, like um, hailed as like a, a quintessential uh, Coen Brothers movie, and and like I think when it comes to like 
of course, No Country for Old Men being their best, uh, considered their best drama. This is considered their best comedy. Um, and yeah, I mean, it definitely like it, it, it definitely stands like really good even, you know, even now, you know, like, and I, I am very mm-hmm. surprised that they even took it off of the the list, you know, I know that probably competition's gotten harder. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it's such like a, just like, even now, like an out there comedy. And I, I love when the Conan brothers do that, you know, sometimes, like you said, they don't stick the landing. Um, but it is really nice that they, you know, it, it shows that, that they are experimental even today, you know, they, they'll do random things, you know, like, um, one of the recent things I, that I, I, you know, really liked was the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is That's a a, great an movie. anthology like movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and of, of these short stories and, and yeah, it's just like, um, definitely a movie and there's, and totally understandable why this spawned, um, a series, which, which is, um, show run by and and mostly written by one of his Your boy become, yeah has become one of my favorite like writer television writers of Noah Noah Wiley um Noah Hotley 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 yeah um and not Noah Wiley not ER I was like wait what <laughs> Noah Hotley um uh, and so 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 yeah I mean it's definitely uh a favorite it has become a favorite of mine since I watched it and and I am I, I am excited like if you do choice choose to watch the shows uh the the seasons I really do want to get your take on that too because I yeah, love I need to the check seasons. it out like they're like um there's like I think there's some slow moments I think in like season two or three but mm-hmm. it always ends like freaking like sticks the landing of every season always sticks that landing and then you'll see like the interconnection of all of it even with the movie now now watching it um it's just really awesome and it's such a subtle like universe in its own way yeah um uh, well i remember i was going to because i remember when the first season was on and like the girl i was dating at the time her dad was watching it i was like oh i'm gonna go in the other room because I don't want like to know really anything about this universe. I want the film to be the first thing I watch. So that's how long I've been meaning to watch this movie. Because that was like 2013 or something. I just like still hadn't watched it for whatever. I've been like, yeah, I'm gonna watch. Like you know, like I've yeah. been meaning to watch it for at least you know seven or eight years. Just had never gotten around to it. Yeah, yeah, you could have. Like I, like I yeah. watched the shows and then then yeah. um because it's all an anthology, even with the movie. Like you know, it's all. It's all an yeah. anthology. Like, yeah, there's like little things that tie back into each other and stuff like that. You know, characters and all that, um, or objects or whatever. Um, but but, but now yeah. I'm excited to go to go back or to go and watch the show and get mm-hmm. you know you know to get a little bit the universe that I, I really like this universe kind of have it widened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. Definitely. So so um, why do you think? that people have latched onto this movie you know like i mean it did spark the coen brothers you know careers and and stuff and that and um why do you think it's it's a movie that like for for me why i was shocked that you hadn't seen it i mean i think definitely it is um 
like you were saying, it's a movie that sparked the Coen Brothers' career. And watching it, you, it is kind of like an origin story for the Coen Brothers. It's like, you know, like you said, they, it's not their first film, but it's like, wow, this movie like makes a lot of sense. Like going everything that you've seen of the Coen Brothers going forward, you can trace back to a lot of stuff. It feels like that, like this is the kind of like source code for a lot of you know the stuff they would later do, like you know. Um, but like you know, uh, like Royal Tenenbaums was for Wes Anderson, or like the uh, the Matrix was for the Wachowskis, or Sixth Sense was for M Night Shyamalan. Like they all had movies that came out before, but that's where they really were like, oh, like this is the kind of director that I'm going to be. And even though you know their comedies and their dramas are you know do elicit very different emotions, you do. I think that. And, uh, the characters are like, and that kind of like realism is the kind of like driving force. Like, you know, you do feel like Anton Chigurh or something could inhabit a darker part of the same world that's in Fargo because it is a kind of all about these kind of like real people that feel like on the ground level. It's even when you have something like a burn after reading, which is all about these like high up officials and things like that, they do kind of feel like regular people on the ground. And I think that is why the movie has struck such a chord with so many people is that it just feels relatable. You can watch mm-hmm. this movie and, you know, all the movies that came after it and you can just laugh and like understand these people and it never really feels dated ever. There's nothing in this movie that, you know, it, cause it's set, even though it came on the nineties, it's set in the late eighties mm-hmm. and it just kind of feels like, I think it's, even though it's not really based on a true story, there've been kind of some different, like, you know, stories that the Coens have told about that, but it's, it's not really based on a true story. It does feel like that. And that text at the beginning to kind of put you in that mindset really works. And it really is like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm along with this. I buy that this is something that happened with some dumb criminals. So it's a testament to that. They can be like, oh yeah, this is something real and kind of give you that feeling. So yeah. And also it's just hilarious. Like it's a funny movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that text is something that's at, played at the beginning of each season. And I oh, okay. really love that, like, seeing the show first and then coming back. I'm like, oh, I love that that it, it did come. I had my thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I had my, um, um, you know, assumptions Suspicions. that it was from the, from the movie itself. But yeah. But yeah. But yeah, like, it does definitely get you into this. And like, and I think that's what, yeah, like, the Conan brothers um, really do great work on is, is just kind of like telling this story of, like, common people that stumble into like uncommon events you know or you know um and there's a line at the end of sorry to cut you off uh just kind of remind there's a line at the end of burn after reading so Mm -hmm. where uh, jk simmons just like so and it's in the trailer too so jk simmons is like so nobody knows anything and we're all just like i can't remember what exactly it is i'm butchering it but he's like nobody knows anything and everything is just fucked okay then great like and that's how like all all these movies by the coens that are kind of about the subject even the big lebowski um, which is more of a straight up kind of like noir comedy does have that same kind of feeling where it's just like, what is it? Like nobody, there's all these dumb criminals and nobody knows what anybody's doing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, like you have a, a center character of the dude that just doesn't know anything. Like he's just he like, buys. I'm just here, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, you know, yeah. Yeah. And like, um, I just also want to like point out that like this movie is very cinematically and the, and the series too. Um, is very cinematically like beautiful shots. I mean, like in in the snow, like you have these like just pure snow, kind of like um 
shots yeah that, it, that like... one I'd, I'd seen that shot before the one where it's just like the parking lot and mm-hmm. there's like the one car and it's just there and i was like oh i've seen that in like like you know pictures and stuff like 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 frames from like oh great moments in film or something like i was like i've seen that before the way mm-hmm. they yeah the cinematography just incredible it's like that every frame of praying thing you know even yeah. though it's just like one of the most like no offense to anybody who lives out there but like one of the it's not a pretty landscape at all. Like the Midwest covered in just like, it's very barren. It's like, that's a parking lot, you know, but they still managed to make it beautiful somehow, which is kind of incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely like, that's how, um, all like that, that opening kind of like shot of just like a very, like going back to like classic movies of like having just a silent, you know, a silent, like a moment, you know, to start off your movie. And it kind of sets that tone, especially coming after, you know, the, the that um, little word crawl of, of mm-hmm. that they put at the beginning. Um, it definitely like, yeah, puts you in this mood and, and they definitely like capture it captures this where you are like. And then I could say that and that that the environment is as much of you know a character as the characters themselves i mean you know the movie's called fargo it's the mm-hmm. name of like it's not even the name of the city that the majority of the movie is spent in yeah you know? i was like kind of surprised because mm-hmm. i remember talking to somebody and i said something about like oh minnesota fargo and they're like it's minnesota fargo is in north dakota yeah i'm like oh yeah i guess so but i was like why am i thinking minnesota but i'm like yeah i was right most of this movie's in minnesota mm-hmm. yeah and that's how like that is so like yeah and that's how the the move the shows are too you know they're not it's all like Minnesota. I mean, I mean, Fargo is like a place that they visit once in a while. And mm-hmm. it, but it's always like surrounding, like the surrounding spaces of Fargo. And that's why Fargo, it's named Fargo, is because, well, yeah, we're talking about like Minneapolis, where, you know, William H. Macy and his family and all that are at. And then, um, it's not Bemidji, Bemidji is, is the show. Um, but, you know, Francis McDormand's um you know town is and then it did even that it just shows like how small this area is and how many like there's so many cities because it's so small you know like it's like that kind of like environment where you know the, it's just a collection of cities or towns yeah. and stuff yeah 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 no i definitely yeah. feel that like it, it's kind of yeah it's just kind of this and i don't think you could have a movie like this set in like hawaii or mm. florida or los angeles or something because it is kind of like you know this small sadly, crime story it's where like it's just a, like yeah and then sadly yeah, it's it, like it's this desperation it's, yeah. of it kind it's, of it's like the opposite of miami vice you know yeah. like miami vice is all about these big flashy drug lords and like you know all this crazy crime and stuff like that and but this it has to be here because it's got to be so kind of like small scale and then just spiral and then just you know you have characters like steve buscemi is just like i'm going crazy which leads that scene and that just adds to like the comedy and the feeling and it makes that's also what sets it apart from so many films like this you know like a movie that i think is a lot like this that is set in i think it is actually set in miami yeah because they fly over the miami sign that only exists in michael bay movies mm-hmm. is pain and gain which is i think mm-hmm. one of michael bay's better movies and it, i think he he's a really big fan of the coen brothers and after you know watching this and seeing that too it's like clear that they are both like michael bay is taking a page out of that book and but it's you know you lose something when you are that kind of like the big just kind of like flashy michael bay version of this compared to like the small quaint 
Coen Brothers version. It's just so much like nicer. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think like just the whole Fargo franchise overall is very much a a big story told in a small pond, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. 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 Well, with and that, I, well, go ahead. I was gonna say, I also just like love the ending because you know you have all these characters that are just screwing them each other over and mm-hmm. killing each other to get money and just killing other people to get money and they're just like selfish, greedy people and you hate all of them. And then, you know, you just have at the end of the last shot, just Frances McDormand come out appreciating the little things, just watching a movie on her bed with her husband, you know, just watching TV. Just it was just, just kind of a nice little ending yeah. that just kind of like makes you feel like, yeah, like yeah. You, you care about this person mm-hmm. and this is why. Yeah. And they just like I think they like both say, like, oh, eight more weeks, you know, and they like, yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. Her- her belly and stuff and yeah i think like the the course of this movie takes place maybe over the course of a week um which is like that yeah which is like kind of like i think one one of the quicker stories of the fargos um but but yeah definitely definitely like i I just love this this universe and i i really can't wait until like you you dive in at first into the rest of it um because like i it's just such a uh big surprise to me like that how mm-hmm. how like uh, like entertaining they are but um with that um Derek I would like to thank you for being my guest today and um now you can say that you have seen it yeah yeah so with that finally um, yeah <laughs> after what did you say 2013 so eight years almost eight years and that's like I had wanted Did to see it before show? that too, like, but the I was so started? on board with seeing it in 2013 that I was like, okay, I can't watch this show because I need to watch the movie. Yeah, and they just didn't 2014 watch it for at least was the first years. season of Fargo. Yeah, of okay, this, yeah, the, yeah, 2014. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. But um, with that, um, we also have a bunch of different other podcasts. Um, in our undercast company lineup we have our flagship underrated podcasts where we discuss films that we feel are underrated underappreciated and those have just slipped under the radar and passed most people by um we just finished our summer sequel series um so please go back and give that a listen it was really fun to record and we all enjoyed it and we we love when we get to record these like um, I don't want to say gimmicky, but very th- like themed. <laughs> series. Yeah, no, it was fun. I had a mm-hmm. blast with it. Got mm-hmm. to talk about a couple sequels that I had been wanting to talk about for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then um, besides that, we also have um, a Marvel podcast every once in a while when, when Marvel things pop up or a movie pops up. So we'll probably be discussing Shang-Chi. Um, and Ten Rings mm-hmm. um, fairly soon on that. And also um, talking about what if and and then the little tidbits of of the spider of Spider-Man um, No Way Home that have sparked up. Um, but yeah, with that, I would like to thank everybody for listening. And again, Derek, thank you for joining. And thanks thank you for, for having me and making me watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then everybody out there, thanks for being amazing.